This evening we'll be again in the Old Testament, this time in the book of 2 Kings. 2 Kings here, part of, part of Elisha's ministry after Elijah is taken up into heaven. This is really near the beginning of Elisha's ministry. And we see Elisha performing miracles. And particularly in this passage, we see even God using Elisha to raise a boy from the dead. So again, we'll be reading from 2 Kings chapter 4, looking at verses 8 through 37. 2 Kings 4, starting at verse 8. One day, Elisha went on to Shunem, where a wealthy woman lived, who urged him to eat some food. So whenever he passed that way, he would turn in there to eat food. And she said to her husband, Behold now, I know that this is a holy man of God, who is continually passing our way. Let us make a small room on the roof with walls and put there for him a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp, so that whenever he comes to us, he can go in there. One day he came there, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he called to Gehazi his servant, Call this Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him. And he said to him, Say now to her, See, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, At this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, No, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived, and she bore a son about that time the following spring, as Elisha had said to her. When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head. The father said to his servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till she died. Till noon, and then he died. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God and shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, Send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, Why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, All is well. Then she saddled the donkey and she went to her servant, urged the animal on, and she said to her servant, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the man of God at Mount Carmel. When the man of God saw her coming, he said to Gehazi, his servant, Look, there's the Shunammite. Run at once to meet her and say to her, Is all well with you? Is all well with your husband? Is all well with the child? And she answered, All is well. And when she came to the mountain of the man of God, she caught hold of his feet. And Gehazi came to push her away. 
But the man of God said, Leave her alone, for she is in bitter distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me and has not told me. Then she said, Did I not ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? He said to Gehazi, Tie up your garments and take my staff in your hand and go. If you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not reply. And lay my staff on the face of the child. Then the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was no sound or sign of life. Therefore he returned to meet him and told him, The child has not awakened. When Elisha came into the house, he saw the child lying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, Call this Shunammite. So he called her, and when she came to him, he said, Pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. So let us take a moment to pray and ask God to bless this, his word. Dear Heavenly Father, we do ask that you would indeed bless your word, that you would use it in our lives, that you would use, Lord, again, both the reading and the preaching of your word in the lives of each of us who are here to convict us, Lord, even to, to invite and to call any here who do not yet know you, to call them to yourself. Lord, we pray that you would be at work that you would bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, that they would be indeed from the truth of your word, and that your Holy Spirit would make it effective in each of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you think about the question of who is given the highest honor, perhaps, of anyone in our country, and there are certainly different answers you could have to that question. But one thing that, that I thought about, and my family and I were in Washington, D.C. just last month. We went by Arlington National Cemetery. And I remember going there 15, no, 25 years ago now and seeing the, the tomb of the unknown soldier. And I think that those who are interred in the tomb of the unknown soldier that they, even though their name and everything about everything else about them is unknown, they are given the highest honors that can be given to anyone in this country. They're not only given the Medal of Honor, which is the highest military honor that, that is given in this country, but they're given medals from other countries as well, like the United Kingdom Victoria Cross, medals from, from France, from Italy, from Poland, from Romania and more. All of these are given to these soldiers who are interred in the tomb of the unknown soldier. 
even though they, like this Shunammite woman, are unnamed. At least we don't know their name. And we see here in this passage, we see God's work in the life of of this unnamed, yet faith-filled, God-fearing Shunammite woman. She, and also not anyone else in her family, are ever named. And I don't know why that is, but it is interesting at times to note who God names in Scripture and who He does not name. But regardless, even though we don't know this woman's name, she is given a place of honor. She is a significant figure in the book of Second Kings. She doesn't only appear in this passage, but she appears in a later passage as well. And she, as well as the woman who also is nameless, that, uh, who is only known as a resident of the city which she resides, the same, the, the, the indifferent woman, but a woman whose son Elijah raised from the dead, both she and this other woman whose sons were both raised from the dead, who we don't know their name, but they are referenced in the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 35, it says, Women received back their dead, by resurrection. And I think it's, it's clear that this, these women are at least some of those who are pictured there. And this Shunammite woman, this woman of Shunam, though she is nameless, she is bestowed with honor for her faithfulness as she demonstrably takes hold of the Lord her God in faith. She does this in verse 8, in verse, 20, in verse 27, in verse 30. She takes hold of God in faith. And you also, not so that you can receive honor, not that so you can have your name somewhere or have your deeds that you did somewhere, but because of your great God and what He has done in you and for you, take hold of Him. Take hold of the Lord your God in faith. Grab hold of Him even. Grab hold of the Lord your God in faith in the face of death and distress or anything else. Take hold, grab hold of the Lord your God in faith. And the first way that we can see this, that the realities that stem from grabbing hold of the Lord your God in faith, the first one we see is that the Lord your God will graciously provide for you even when you do not ask. That God will graciously provide for you even when you do not ask. I think we particularly see this in this passage in, in verses 14 through 16, where after Elijah, Elisha rather, says, can we do something for you? And then Gehazi, his servant, says, after she refuses anything from them, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, says, well, she has no son and her husband is old. And so Elisha says in verse 15, call her. And then when she stood in the doorway, he said, at this season, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And then in verse 28 as well, this is looking ahead a little bit, but I think we see that, again, we see that, that she certainly wanted this, even though she didn't ask for it. That's why she said, do not lie to me. And then in verse 28, she said again, did I not ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? It makes it clear that this was a great desire of her heart. That she and her husband, who apparently was older than her, 
had never had a child. And this was something that she wanted greatly, even though she wasn't willing to ask. I don't think she even dared to ask for a son. But we can see from her reaction to Elisha telling her that she would, would have a son, that it was a great desire of her heart. We think back to this story and, and her response that she had. And just imagine how much joy there would have been in their home a year from when Elisha, Elisha said, you will have a son at about this time next year when she gave birth and when she and her husband were able to hold this baby boy in their arms. Well, God deals with his servants as the prophet did with this woman, this Shunammite woman. Commentator Edward Reynolds says that when Elisha asked her what she needed for the kindness that she had done to him, she did not request anything at his hands. So then Elisha, he sent for her again and made her a free promise of that which she most wanted and desired, that she could have a son. And in a similar way, God is often pleased to give his servants the things that they even forget to ask or the things that they ask for, but in a fuller measure than their own desires propose to them. God gives us things greater than we can even imagine at times. And sometimes he give us, gives us things that we, we don't even dare to ask. I would love, not right at this moment, but maybe after the service, to hear examples of how this has happened to you. How God has given you something that you didn't ask for. Or he has answered your prayer and given you something, but it was so much greater than what you asked. And I can think of different examples in my own life where this has happened. One, but one thing that actually really stuck out to me this was a story that my dad shared with me. That his, his dad, my grandfather, when my dad was around 10, divorced my grandmother and left my dad and his sisters. He left the church and he was living in sin, living however he wanted. My dad talked about, he told me about how he prayed for him, for his dad, every day he would pray for him. For many years, until he was in his late teens, and it started to wane. He started, maybe he was only praying for him once a, a week, maybe once a month, maybe not even that. But then, a couple of years after that, he was really rebuked when God called his dad back to himself. And his dad, my grandfather, if you ask him, he doesn't even know whether he was truly saved and had, had just fallen away for a time, or if he was never saved until that point. But it was a rebuke to, to my dad that he had stopped even asking for this. He maybe had given up hope that his dad would ever come back to God, would ever come back to the church. But God answered his prayer, his prayer that he had given up asking. And he does that for us as well. And in this, as we ask a request to God, we must have faith like this woman of Shunem did. I think it's good to remember the time that she lived in. And we can also see that from her husband's question about why she was going to see Elisha when it was not a new moon or a feast day, it makes it clear that she did regularly go see Elisha on these days. He's, he's saying, why are you going on this day? You normally go on these other days. We see from this the faith of this woman and we see the faith of this woman just based on how she interacts with Elisha. 
How she calls him this, this man of God. How she even humbles herself in his presence in many ways. And you and I, we need to in faith come weekly to worship God because he bestows his gracious blessings on us. That is one thing that we can take from this. Well, another reality from this text that we can see is that in times of bitter distress, you are to call on the Lord your God who does not let you go. In times of bitter distress, call on the Lord your God who does not, who will not let you go. This woman, she does not wait to call upon God. She, as can be seen at the beginning of this passage, she is a woman of action. After Elisha comes to Shunem, she, she has him over for a meal, this man of God, and then, and then so that he would come back, she, makes, she has her husband build this room on their roof where he can come back. And then we see that she is a woman of action in this passage. She is in a hurry. After her son that she had held on her lap until he passed away, after she takes him up and puts him on the bed of the man of God, she quickly goes to her husband and asks him, he says, quickly, I need to go to the man of God. She says in, in verse 24 to the servant who is with her, urge the animal on, do not slacken the pace. We even see Elisha and that he is in a hurry as well. As he tells Gehazi, after he finds out that this woman's son has died, he tells Gehazi, run at once to see this woman. Sorry, even before he knows that her son has died. But then after he sees that, after he knows that, he tells Gehazi, tie up your garment. In other words, gird up your loins, tuck your cloak into your belt, and don't greet anyone, don't reply to anyone. Just go, go straight to this woman's house and lay my staff on this, on this man's, this young boy's body. But this woman, she hurries to go and do this. After she left her son dead in Elisha's room, she would have closed the door behind her. And I can't imagine how it was possible that she was, didn't arouse her husband's concern when she asked him to go, when she asked him to, to, if she could take a donkey and a servant to go see Elisha. And then her, her husband asks her about, why are you going? And she says, it's okay, all is well. But then she goes, and this was not a short journey that she went on either. This was probably at least a day's journey for her to get to where Elisha was from Shunem. So she goes there without even telling her husband what had happened to their son. And then she goes and, and asks Elijah and begs Elijah, cries out to Elisha. She's in deep bitterness of sorrow after her son's death. She's asking when she says, did I not ask my Lord for a son? Did I not say, do not deceive me? I mean, I think we can understand this. She's implying, wouldn't it have been better for me to never experience the having my son than to have him for a short time and then have him taken away? It would have been better even in her mind at that time that a son had not been given to me than to give me him for this time and then to take him away. 
And I'll point out that as she comes to Elisha, she doesn't really want to talk to Gehazi, his servant. He asks if everything is okay, if, if her son is alright, if her husband is well. And she says, all is well. But then she goes up the rest of the way to the mountain to Elisha, the man of God, as he is referred to again and again in this, this passage. And she goes and she falls down at his feet and she literally grabs his feet. And Gehazi tries to push her away. This is not appropriate. What are you doing, woman? But Elisha says, stop. God has not revealed to me what, what has happened to her. He listens to her. Well, you and I, we, we need to have a response like Elisha does in this case. And absolutely not have a response like Gehazi. We need to be considerate of others and even be looking for others who are, who are visibly distressed, dealing with hard things. We should be going to them, going to them quickly when we, when we perceive trouble in their lives, when we know about things or when we see it in their faces and absolutely not pushing them away. When someone is in distress, if anything, hurry to them, run to them, and especially don't push them away. But ultimately, though this woman of Shunem literally grabbed on to this man of God, to Elisha, it was not about her holding on to God or holding on to the man of God. It was about God holding on to her. That's how it is for you and I as well. I think we can see this in Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41, verses 10 and then 13 and 14, we see that it's not about us holding on to God in any way. It's about God holding on to us. Isaiah 41, verse 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then a few verses down in verse 13 and 14. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not. I am the one who helps you. Fear not, you worm Jacob, you men of Israel. I am the one who helps you, declares the Lord. Your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I love this, this picture that we can see here in Isaiah of, of God not only upholding us with his righteous right hand, but even that he holds our hand. He holds our right hand. Kind of like this morning, like a father holds his child's hand. And you who are fathers or mothers, you know, it's, it's such a, a blessing to, to just be able to hold your, your little child's hand as they're learning to walk. There's never a time that I don't want to hold my kid's hand. That is how God treats us, his children. This Shunammite woman, we also see her falling at Elisha's feet. We see her not only doing this once, but twice. We see that she does this as she goes up onto the mountain. She falls at his feet. She grabs hold of his feet. But we see her doing this again after Elisha, after God enables Elisha to raise this boy from the dead. Elisha has this, the Shunammite woman come. And she comes in at the end of verse 36. And when she came to him, 
he said, pick up your son. And what did she do? She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. And then she picked up her son, not leaving him as she, as she did previously when she, the last time she was up in Elisha's room, when she left him dead on his bed. But now she takes him, she picks him up alive and goes out. And this, this falling at Elisha's feet, there is another case in another passage in, in the Bible where this happens, where a very similar thing happens. In Matthew 28, Matthew 28, verse 9, we see Mary and Mary seeing Jesus in his resurrected state. And what do they do? Matthew 28, verse 9. After they had departed from the tomb, Jesus came and met them and he said, Greetings. And they came up and they took hold of his feet and worshipped him. These women, in faith, after Jesus had rose from the dead, they came and they saw him. They, they found the empty tomb and then they saw him, the resurrected Savior. And they came and they worshipped him and they literally took hold of his feet. It's interesting, the parallels in this passage from Matthew 28 to 2 Kings 4, where you have the, this woman or these women running and meeting. In the Shunammite woman's case, she's meeting the man of God. In Mary's case, Mary and Mary's case, they are meeting the God-man. And both of them grab his feet and bow to him. And this, I think, points to our the third and the, the last reality from this passage about holding on to our Lord. That through the Lord, your resurrection, you will never die. Through the Lord, your resurrection, you will never die. There are not very many resurrections in the Bible. There are, and really we can count them, there's not very many. There's Elijah, who has one experience where he resurrects Again, another woman's son from the dead. There's Peter. There's Paul, both recorded in the book of Acts. Elisha actually does this twice, not only in our passage, but after he dies when somebody throws a dead man in his grave and he comes back to life. And then Jesus, as is recorded three times, brings people back from the dead. But all of this is ultimately pointing to Christ, who is the resurrection the ultimate picture of resurrection and of defeat of death. This woman's son, these other people who were, who were resurrected in the Bible, eventually they died. But Jesus did not. And one other, one other thing that, that I believe really does connect and make us think, help us picture what Jesus does for us, something that's honestly a little confusing that I really wondered about for a while, why do we have these, this detail about Elisha coming to this boy and, and covering up this boy? And, and we have this detail that he lays his face on his face, that uh, his, his eyes are on the boy's eyes, his hands are on the boy's hands, his mouth is on the boy's mouth. What's the purpose of, of, this, of these details? You have to think this Elisha was a grown man, and this boy lying dead in his bed. It was a small boy. We don't know how old he was, but he was likely quite, still quite small. 
Elijah would have had, con- had to contort his body in order to cover this boy, to c- put his hands on his hands, to put his face on this boy's face. And I really do believe this is a picture of Jesus Christ and really of God and what he did in condescending to us. That Jesus became a man, became a human like we are. He did this in order to raise us from the dead. Another commentator, John Mayer, says, Just as Elisha revived this child by applying his own mouth and eyes to this child's, so Christ gives life to the faithful by condescending to be made like us in his incarnation. To be made like us, to give us eternal life, to enable us to live that we might live forever with him. And what, who is Jesus? Who, how is Jesus referred? He is the resurrection. And I think one of the places that we can see this most clearly is in John 11, John 11:20, starting at verse 20, we see Martha and her faith and her understanding about who Jesus is. And it says this, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated at the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Her brother Lazarus had just died. Jesus came and Martha is talking to him. Mary can't even come to him out of her grief. And what does Jesus say to Martha? He says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha, still having faith, but not fully understanding, she says, I know that he will rise again on the resurrection in the last day. And then Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall live. And everyone who believes, who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And Martha said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. This really is an amazing statement of faith. The faith that Martha shows, the faith similarly to what the Shunammite woman showed. And remember this woman, I mentioned that she would have left her son in Elisha's room. She left him on his bed and then she left and she closed the door. But then at the end of this story, she leaves with her son alive in her arms. It was not like her earlier exit from Elisha's room, when she left a dead son behind a closed door, now she takes him out with her, alive and well. And this this woman, this Shunammite woman, you know, we talked. I talked about at the beginning about the tomb of the unknown soldier, and how this soldier, or these soldiers rather, are given this great honor, perhaps arguably the greatest honor of anyone in the, in this country. But even those honor, those medals that they received, they actually don't keep them if it is discovered who they were. There was a a, a Vietnam unknown who eventually they discovered through DNA and through through families who suspected that the remains were his, that it was him. 
And so they, they took his remains out of the tomb. And he didn't get to keep the Medal of Honor. He didn't get to keep these other medals that these other countries had given him. But in contrast to that, this woman, even though her name is unknown to us, unlike the, the unknown soldier, once his name is known, the honor has gone. This woman, even though her name is unknown to us, her name is known and written in the eternal word of God. She is written in the eternal word of God and her name is in the Lamb's book of life. Well, again, the Lord your God will provide for you, will graciously provide for you, even when you don't ask. And so in times of trouble, in times of death and distress, call on the Lord your God who will not let you go because through your Lord, the resurrection, you will never die. So again, grab hold of the Lord your God in faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you that we can come to you, that we can grab hold of you, not literally, physically, but we can do it through our prayers and our cries to you, through having your word and knowing it and reading it and having it go through our minds, meditating on it. Lord, we pray that we would do this in faith, that we would do this out of, because we know the love, the great love that you have bestowed on us, so much so that you sent your Son here to become a man, to live a life, a perfect life, and then to die in our place, and then to be resurrected from the dead, the one who is the resurrection and the life, the one who defeated sin and death and Satan in his resurrection, and who now sits at your right hands. Lord, we know that through him we also can have life everlasting. We thank you and praise you for that. We pray that this would affect our lives as we walk through our daily life, that everything that we do would be affected by what you have done for us, that your Holy Spirit would be at work in us, that you would be sanctifying us, that you would help us to put off the old man, to mortify our own sin, and that we would turn to you, that we would, again, grab hold of you, grab hold of your word, be with your people, be with the bride of Christ as often as we are able. And Lord, we thank you that we can do this. We thank you that you have given us your word, that you have given us your church, and that you have given us, most of all, that you have sent your Son to die for us. You have given us your Holy Spirit, who is at work in each of our lives. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.